What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, July 3rd, 2023, and this week's episode, Down in Sin City. We'll talk about a very loaded international fight week, but first, this past Saturday's UFC event and the middleweight main event between Sean Strickland and Abus Magomedov. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. A former champion is out of a big fight next month. And we'll talk about the highlights of IFW. The Hall of Fame has quite a few stars going into it. And a very good triple header to cap off UFC 290 on pay-per-view this Saturday. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Fourth of July, almost upon us. You get your poppers ready, your barbecue sauce. In, in all honesty, I'm, I'm still more shocked that it's July. It's kind of like <laughs> every time we hit, hit a new month, I'm like, wait, what happened? And now I'm not going to lie because I've been traveling. It's felt like a longer June than usual, but for sure. Um, you know what? I'm not going to lie. So I live in the middle of the desert. So like, I'm, I'm sorry, but people act like it's 4th of July, like every week, every, week, yeah. every night there's some... You'll hear for at least like a good 20 minutes people just popping off fireworks because they think we're like in the middle of Omaha, Nebraska with nothing to do. It's so weird, dude, because out here too, man, it's like it used to be it would be like a few days leading up to July 4th, then a week, then two weeks. Now in April and May, you're getting them just randomly. And then, of course, leading up, it's nonstop. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to go into the show, so go ahead. Oh, well, yeah, you should do that, probably. Ah, oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, I mean, let's get into it. This past Saturday, um, obviously, uh, the middleweight fight that a lot of people were scratching their heads, and for two rounds, we actually got quite a we got quite a lot for under 10 minutes. Sean Strickland, Abus Magomedov. Um, like I said, if you weren't familiar with Magomedov, former PFL finalist in 2018, has a pretty solid record for himself. Um, won his UFC debut last year, 26 seconds. Um, just different factors keeping him from being really active. Not all of them his fault. And in that first five minutes, quite simply, it kind of looked like, hey, this guy might be that guy that we just all should have been talking about and weren't. You know, he gives Sean Strickland a bit of trouble puts the pressure on him, catches him with a few good shots. One thing I will say that it doesn't always look like, because by his own admission, he does he's not a heavy hitter. He doesn't look physically like a Jared Cannonier or a Marvin Vittori does Strickland. I thought that he actually, he when I was watching uh, the fight with the Boos, looked a lot bigger than I thought he would. Just very filled out. He is a very... He may not have the biggest guns, but he is a tall, filled-out middleweight. And I know that's something that maybe a lot of people didn't think of because he used to be a welterweight and he was probably looking more cut and lean at, at 70. But I think that that was the biggest thing that surprised me. Is like, you know, he's... Magomedov's connected on some pretty good shots, giving him some good pressure. Hasn't really been able to get that stopper, like get, you know, Strickland where it's like, oh, I don't want more of those. I thought that Sean, while he did have to defend more than go on offense in the first round, parried and moved a lot of the, out of a lot of the bigger shots. 
and then in the second round finds that opening and from there it was really just a complete 180 if not more so if we're being honest just as putting that pressure on unleashes a heavy amount of shots just keeps going for a second it looked like a boost might make it to the third but then when he crumpled you knew it was all she wrote um sean strickland i mean let's just say it you know a guy who hasn't been known for getting finishes was in trouble early comes back to get i think his first finish since like he was a welterweight very impressive what about you i agree very impressive and surprising i'm pretty sure i picked a boost (laughs) to win that one i think you did too in the first round it looked uh, like it yeah exactly it looked like it and then round two it's like he's just he was just done now was he just out of juice adrenaline you know burned out or was sean strickland just that good maybe a little bit of both sean strickland always impresses me though with that you know philly shell that he has that you know little shoulder roll that you wouldn't think I think even uh, Laura Senko was talking about it. It's not the kind of stance you would suggest anyone have in an MMA fight, but it works for him. He has had his, his stance a little bit wider this time. Usually his feet are closer together, so I'm glad he, he did that. Um, and just the way he moves is so... It's not slow, but it's just... It's a little... It's different, right? He's not like jumping around, shuffling his feet. He's just like very calmly, you know, slight movement here and there, moves the foot a little bit, moves the head a little bit, pops the jab and gets his punches in. And he's not even rearing back to throw punches, but they have a lot of power in them. So there's something unique about him that is enjoyable to fight, to watch when he fights. I was very surprised at the way Abus um, unraveled in round two, for sure. Unexpected and, you know, um, Sean Strickland capitalized and finished him. And I mean, Abus was like, doing the Conor McGregor thing, you know, he's like, when he fought Nate Diaz, where he's like running around the cage, looking backwards, like, are you coming after me? Uh, trying to get away. And I'm sure if you watch the post-fight interview, it's anytime you hear Sean Strickland do an interview, it's hilarious. Um, but he's just talking about how like, it was like, oh yeah, that guy didn't want to be in there. You know, uh, I was asked, I was saying to myself, is this guy really done? Is this guy really done? You know, like, <laughs> having this conversation with himself and he's like, I think if I had choked him out, he would have just let me do it. So it was a good win for Sean Strickland. He looked good when he was able to put it all together in round two and finish his opponent. Um, you know, we'll see what he, where he goes from here. I don't think he's going to get the, uh, title shot or even, you know, the next one up anytime soon. But, um, He's definitely an interesting character, man, in the cage and out of the cage. If you haven't seen his interview yet, his post-fight interview, it's uh, it's something to uh, to entertain yourself with. I'll just say that. Oh, yeah. He's been the gift that keeps on giving this week, hasn't he? Oh, my goodness. It's That's like, even if you don't ter- type him into the... Well, I mean, look, even if you don't type him into the search bar, when you're the main event, you see them just by osmosis because right, right. you're following MMA yeah, and he's the, knows, yeah. he's headlining the only show this week anyway um so he looked the way you're supposed to when you are the perennial veteran ranked guy against the new kid right 
And so I, I think that that's very important. Not everyone can. He did. He holds serve, so to speak. Shout out to Wimbledon going on. <laughs> um, and, and that's good. Like, like you said, all that is good. So here's the scenario we now found, find ourselves in. Rob and Drakus fight this Saturday. We know that the UFC, they're going to, they're essentially kind of doing like the uh, Sterling and O'Malley. Like, look, we're going to ride with you guys and t- unless something happens and one of you guys hurts yourself because you've done fight camp, fight, fight camp, going into a title fight, right? Now, when I look at, for example, Rob Whitaker, Rob Whitaker has been the guy to say, like, I am not going to rush it just because, you know, of this and that, right? We, we had that, I think, in 2019 or 2020. You know, that's why Marvin Vittori had the rematch. So Whitaker is being, you know, very punctual with what he's saying. I think he learned from the last one to say, I'm not going to outright say no. I'm not going to turn it back around. But he is making that clear. Dracus may not feel like he has that kind of goodwill yet because he's not had that big victory so far. That being said, you got to think that Dracus does want to put himself in the best position fighting Adesanya, particularly with the whole drag the carcass across South Africa and all this, is a huge fight. I would argue it's probably the biggest fight at middleweight outside of maybe... Adesanya Hamzat, just for all the star power involved. But the fact is, there's a lot of reasons to think that these guys are not going to rush it just for the sake of turning it back around to headline Australia. They obviously could. The, uh, the UFC obviously wants that. Even as a fan, I wouldn't mind getting those fights so close together, particularly if they all, you know, everyone involved looks their best. If Robert Drakus says, no, I just can't turn it back around this fast, the camp was too hard, the fight was too hard, I'm sorry, but Sean Strickland, the kind of dude who would take it, even if that eye isn't 100% right, yet. even if he's still seen double. <laughs> even if his hands probably still hurt from all the punches, he just gave a boost. Yep. And we kind of saw it earlier this year when he took Imavov on one week's notice for no reason. Yeah. Um, Coming off a loss in a main event. And win five rounds. I'm I'm sorry, but I feel like this is exactly the kind of scenario Sean Strickland doesn't mind. What about you? Yeah, you're right. The man is is in that stage of his UFC career and in that wonderful, you know, era of of life where you you know you can eat McDonald's at midnight and not feel not feel the stomach pains in the morning, right? You can just oh, you it's can just beautiful. Go, yeah. <laughs> And so he's like, yes to everything, and yeah, F it, and screw it, and let's go, let's go. And I love it. It's great to see. So he's right place, right time, coming off this win. And yeah, super game. UFC's loving him. You know, he's doing them favors, and hopefully they're compensating him appropriately. Um, But you get the feeling he would do it even if they weren't. Um, And so, yeah, I think you're right. He's probably sort of put himself in this position where – People like Robert Whitaker, who would never take a fight on short notice, um, are going to step aside uh, because that's not what they do. But someone like Sean Strickland could benefit from that for sure. Yeah, I think also one thing to acknowledge, Sean Strickland as a new contender for Adesanya. I'll tell you right now, like of all the clips I've done and stuff like at press conferences and all that, 
The amount of my non-MMA-centric friends who have showed me the clip of my question to Sean Strickland and then it ignites that whole thing without Asanya last year um, at the presser, I think Mm -hmm. uh, you remember. I've seen certain people clip it and it has like 10 million views. Wow. There is a level of interest. People have not forgotten about, you know, Adesanya Strickland. And that's not to say that people are necessarily saying it's this amazing fight, but the contrast of personalities is one that people wouldn't mind getting some spotlight, you know, because it would be good entertainment. Exactly. Um, So all of that is, you know, my point to say that, like, People wouldn't hate Strickland Adesanya as much as you think. Maybe they don't necessarily think stylistically it's the biggest fight. But, you know, they wouldn't mind seeing those two guys and maybe a bit of the circus that follows Sean Strickland in a title fight. So, Dude, if they were going to fight, right? Can you yeah. imagine all the heck, all the smack that Sean Strickland would talk and how pissed off he would make Adesanya? And usually Adesanya responds to that pressure like he did with Pereira and, and Pereira's son specifically. Yeah. But, you know, it can backfire on you, Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor, right? You get so so bothered and, and burnt up that you end up losing focus. And you know Sean Strickland would bully him to no end. So it would be interesting to see how that would play out in the cage. Because on paper, Adesanya is the far superior fighter, of course. Now, th- there are a couple other questions out there. Jared Cannonier threw the bucket of cold water on fighting Hamza Chimaev. I wouldn't mind Strickland Chimaev, just the contrast of personalities there also. Um, and the fact that I don't really know what we're doing with the whole Kamaru Usman thing. Because it sounds like, if I had to put my finger on it, I almost feel like Kamaru wants to stay at 170 because, well, he's still the number two guy. He's still the guy who put... 14, sorry, 15 fights together, several of those as a champion. Um, I think he feels and probably knows, hey, my body's pretty good for 170. I'm not the tallest guy and want to mess with some of these big filled out 85ers. And so my question now becomes with uh, the Usman thing, are we holding Hamzat for Abu Dhabi and that's why they haven't announced it? Or... If Jared Cannonier doesn't want Hamzat and they need an 85er, could we get Strickland Hamzat if Strickland doesn't end up filling in in the title fight? What do you think of that? Yeah, of course. Look, Sean Strickland is just that piece, that pawn, and I don't say pawn disparagingly, but he's the movable pawn, right? Uh, and and he will go where he is needed right now in this time. And so I think they know that. He's proven it time and time again. His videos get lots of views, as you pointed out, with your clip and all this other content that he's just a part of, participating in. So it's a win-win. Like, you can just tell him, be on standby. You don't even have to tell him that. Whenever you need him, you know he's there. Hamza, Adesanya, whoever. So it's it's a good time to be Sean Strickland. Yeah, um, real fast. The Paolo Costa, Ikram Aliskarov at the end of the month, uh, that stands out. that they'll find someone. It's just because we also got Cannoneer recently, it kind of puts them in this awkward position. Like, if they're not running it back, now we have an odd number of people. Someone's going to get left out. So, uh, Assuming Hamza uh, doesn't fight one of these guys. So that's just my whole thing. 
Okay. Anyway, look, a uh, good stuff. Obviously, uh, Kevin Lee shocked in his return. <sighs> Man. Yeah. Oh, that rough one, right? That just um, hurt, dude. Across all of MMA, any any headline with that story was just like you could just feel the the empathy man pouring out for Kevin Lee because you want it so badly for it to work out. And doesn't mean it won't work out, but that's he didn't even have a chance to show what he could do. Oh yeah, it it was tough. Obviously, the layoff. Um, he had hurt his knee in that fight with Diego Sanchez. I think probably like a little more than a year ago now. Um, so yeah, it was a tough one. Obviously, some other guys, you know, up and down. Grant Dawson beating Demir. Um, his Magulov, that was a good performance. So uh, that was just one of those nights of fights. Um, not bad, but you could tell it's one of those nights where the fan base is kind of like, hey, it's good, but you know, we're already waiting to get to Vegas. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's tough when you have what has traditionally been the Super Bowl week of uh, mixed martial arts, right? And uh, yeah, so let's uh, make one last pit stop. MMA news. Uh, Henry Cejudo is out of the fight with Chito Vera. Torn labrum. Um, I'm going to just say it. I think that he felt like, you know, I should be good to go in August because they just announced the fight. But then it was like, yeah, guys, I said I'd be down, but it turns out I'm not going to be ready. I'm not saying this probably doesn't happen a lot with fighters, but I will say it kind of felt a little bit like, well, then why did you guys announce it in the first place? Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts? It, yes, and why why announce it? But he, you know, look, man, we've all been there where you're trying to convince yourself that you can do something that maybe you shouldn't do right away. You know, when in doubt, don't. But you don't. You want to be the tough guy. You want to push through and back up all the talk. And, you know, Cejudo talks a lot. So he was probably like, yeah, let's go. I can deal with it. No big deal. I've overcome plenty of stuff in my life. But then you got to be smart and think, well, he's older now. He has kids. Like, this just changes how your brain processes injury and setbacks and all that stuff. So was he disclosing this, this like, you know, injury before he agreed to the fight? I don't know. Was he telling them, like, I'm hurt, but I'm going to push through? Or he didn't tell anyone until last minute when he realized it wasn't going to work i don't know and it's um disappointing that we're not going to get the fight but i was more surprised by how everyone reacted (laughs) to it but again cejudo talks so much smack that of course you're going to get it back in spades so sterling's beating down on him oh you thought you were a savage and uh he (laughs) he got beat up uh, on the internet for that pretty pretty hard did you think he deserved to get a to get the smackdown (laughs) you know what um (sighs) you know it's one of the i don't want to say that like someone deserves for the fans to go off on him yeah there was a very clear though uh karma coming back around right right? (laughs) and and that that's how i'm gonna say it like that it's like henry you should have not, or, you know, every now and then they say stuff and it's like, you should have just let it ride, you know? Mm-hmm. Every now and then some guys try to like double down and then it backfires and that definitely backfired. And backfired, which yeah. sucks because Henry, Henry is such a weird guy. He is so, it's like, I see the effort. He is one of those guys who has parlayed 
let's say it. He is not a Conor McGregor. He is not a John Jones for as great as he is. I don't know that he's ever had that that lightning, electrifying personality, electrifying appeal that makes him this big pay-per-view lightning rod. Right. Um, even by like, you know, look, there's some guys who just never get you all the way invested. There have been some great fighters who it took a long time or it never happened at all. And it's weird because I feel like Henry does so much and yet sometimes it almost is counterproductive to his cause. Uh-huh. And we say this all the time, like all of this, the cringe and all of that. And while there is respect for his skills, I don't know that his attempts to make conflict or, you know, sell these fights do anything other than be like, well, that's a fight I don't want to watch because I also don't want to have to hear about him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, not everyone, Floyd Mayweather got you to really want to see him get his butt whooped. Right. Of course. To, you, you'd want to pay to watch it. You'll watch anybody fight him just to see the, yeah. the chance that he would get. Yep. I don't know that Henry Cejudo has been able to galvanize the fan base because I feel like the fan base, here's the differences. And Colby Covington sometimes I, I think might have this issue. They do all this selling, right? And mm-hmm. they talk all this trash. But the fans don't go, oh, I, I need to see this. I need to see him lose. They're more like, yeah, bro, I'm not paying to watch you lose. You're just annoying. <laughs> Oh, ouch. <laughs> no, 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 no. And here's the thing with Henry is that he is so smart. He is so decorated. He's got all these things. I do believe he's a nice guy and all of that. And maybe sometimes there's a little bit of this pro wrestling element that uh-huh. I'll say it. I'm not the, a real big pro wrestling fan. So I, I'll see some stuff. But sometimes when they start talking, I'm like, yeah, this kind of is the circus and it is not my cup of tea. I got so much respect for the fans who love it. You guys, they love it the way that every just organization and sport wants fans to love their product. Honestly, I'd, I've never been bit by the bug like that where I, I got sick for it. So I, I just think that Henry is trying to tap into this, but it just doesn't work. And I think that's unfortunate because I think that he has so many things you should really like about him. And then they backfire. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know why this turned into the Henry Cejudo, what do you do in wrong <laughs> segment, but it did. Henry Cejudo, you're annoying, bro. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, uh, I, look, I, I, I like him. I like him. He's, he, it seems like he's a cerebral dude. Like you said, he's smart. And obviously he's had great success even before the UFC. And sometimes he overthinks it. He over gimmicks his gimmicks. Um, and then like the turning it on to himself by saying, I'm the king of cringe. It's like, it's like getting inception. Like he's going into himself <laughs> too much. And then it's like, what? wait, who are you? We don't even know. And so I just kind of like to think of him as like, you know, he's a smart dude who's really tough, really good fighter. And I try, I just laugh at the cringe stuff and that's it. Um, but it's because I think it's inconsistent. It's not terrible like Colby Covington because Cejudo is smart enough to be able to speak on a microphone without, you know, fumbling his words. But he, he overthinks it. And so it gets kind of like sometimes you're Cejudo, sometimes you're not. And I don't know. It's just weird. But that's anyway, a great, Tito Vera. That's a brilliant way to put it. 
I'll leave it at that. That's a brilliant way to put it. Um, I would like Cheeto to get a fight if he's down. Um, the thing is, it's like, where does he go? Um, Marab's off the table. Um, yeah, you kind of, right? yeah, with the hand. Uh, obviously, Corey Sanhagen, they just fought Umar Nurmagomedov, who is now fighting Corey Sanhagen. So it kind of makes it very hard. Um, they have, uh, you know, about a month and a half-ish, somewhere in that uh, time frame, right? Let me look at Bantamweight. Uh, obviously, uh, Peter Yan, maybe? I think he called him out. Am I... Yeah, I I, I did just see the thing. I mean, it could be less than an hour old. Peter's saying he's going to do his next fight camp somewhere else besides Tiger Muay Thai. I mean, that could be a good one. Obviously, Song Yudong and Rob Font are on the card as well. So, yeah, if you were to make this Bantamweight Bonanza, let's go Peter Yan and Chito. Yep. I think stylistically that's also good for Peter, someone who is not necessarily... Full pressure, full volume, you know. Cheeto works at a different speed than a lot of the Bantamweights, and I think it could make for a good fight. It it could, but I, it makes me think feel bad for Cheeto because I think Piotr Jan would kind of win easily because Cheeto takes too long to get going, um, and he needs a win, so, you know. That's a good point. I mean, so does Peter Jan. Yeah, so does Peter Jan, yeah. Yeah, so we'll figure it out. Um, look, not a lot of uh, not a lot of news. So let's get right into International Fight Week. I mean, so uh, look, traditionally, you know, biggest event of the year. I think going back to like UFC 100 and even maybe a little bit before that. But the point is like 100, and I think it was 2009, um, is where it's kind of been more or less the event that we know it to be the fan convention. It's essentially like the MMA Expo slash UFC Expo right. every week. And, and it's, um, I've been to several. Uh, ironically, my first UFC event ever was an international fight week. And I'll tell you right now, it's kind of like, you know, I was lucky in that we had everything. It was the Hall of Fame and the MMA Awards happening the same week. Um on top of uh, the original um, format of Media Day and all that. So right. let me tell you something. When you kind of start and that's your first event ever, it's hard to get much better than that, right? Yep. Don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of epic ones, but it's very hard to top the magic of your first one when it's got all of that going on. Um, and look, for the fans, it's great. I, I think that um, particularly, you know, remembering what it was like to just be one of the people and not, you know, kind of be invested and be a little bit behind the scenes now. Um, I could tell you it's something I would definitely invest in and want to go to a lot. It's just great. Um, Some of the stuff that we have going on is the Hall of Fame. That one, uh, this is arguably one of the best classes ever, if not the best. Anderson Silva, arguably the GOAT going in. Jose Aldo, Another little goat from Brazil also there. I mean, look, have you seen him stand next to Anderson? Anyway, um, going into the Hall of Fame, Cowboy Cerrone going in, Robbie Lawler versus Roy McDonald going in. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, What are your thoughts on the, this year's graduating class or Hall of Fame class? Yeah, it's excellent. I mean, 
look, it could have just been Anderson Silva stop, and then you're good, right? And mm-hmm. then you add Jose Aldo. Oh, okay, and you could have had one just with him too. Donald Cerrone, like a legend who did something that most other people in the UFC haven't done with his, you know, um, what's those records? It was uh, like times in a ca- a number of times in a cage, submissions, finishes, like crazy record, right? Robbie Lawler, Roy McDonald too, is still one of those top, man, top 10, maybe top five, depending on who you ask, fights that you would recommend for anyone looking to find out what MMA is all about. Um, one of the fights you think of when you someone asks you, like, you know, greatest brawl, best brawl, it's this one. So it's iconic stuff, iconic people. It's a great class. It's a great class. Yeah, I mean, Anderson Silva is my favorite fighter ever. Right. Of um, course, yeah. yeah. I mean, just to say that, like, how do I put into words what, you know, teenage Gabriel watching Anderson Silva whoop butt and just being like mesmerized by the television and the way yeah. he could move and the creativity and all that. Um, you know, not for nothing would I be in this business today if, you know, he wasn't how he was. I don't know. I mean, George St. Pierre and the other guys there, they were great too, but. For sure, he was must-see must television for me. Um, and, you know, the whole less trash talk and the personality, uh, all of that. Um, Jose Aldo, I mean, I remember when they first televised his stuff on Versus TV back when WEC was... If UFC was like, a you know, an inside secret, WEC was like the inside secret, inside <laughs> secret. Yeah, And you have this like 21-year-old Brazilian kid and he's just freaking faster than everybody by a mile and he's just whooping all of these, you know, old-school wrestlers, traditional fighters and he's just so fast and dynamic. I mean, you know, and to see the careers both of those men have had, I mean, Anderson Silva at the top of the game and then Jose Aldo going on to be so great for so long that he kind of blew right through Anderson's prime and then still was in the middle of his own. Yeah, Um, yeah, right. A cowboy just like, he's his own vibe. There's so many fighters today who are like, you know, they'll tell you that was a for the love of the game type of fighter and it's great for him. And then, yeah, going back to Robbie and Rory, uh, it's kind of like if you were a fan, you knew, you remember where you got to watch that fight. That's what that one was like. Like some of them, uh, I don't know if I was with a friend or we were just at the house or we went yeah. to the bar. No, you remember, bro, we got together. We were <laughs> at Buffalo. We were at B-dubs or you know what? I remember personally at the time I was not living where I was now. Um, and to save money, we were just like, yeah, we're just going to go to the movie theater that was nearby and make a whole day out of it. And. We hung out at like the mall and then we went to the theater and it was just like a nice day and holy guacamole (laughs) to watch that thing on like a 300 inch, you know, screen in the theater with a loaded house of fans. It was awesome. It was just as good as being there live, if I, I would imagine. So, yeah, it, that that is one of those fights. That's the only way you could describe it. But uh, yeah, a, a great class. Um, I'm looking forward to being a part of the festivities in just a couple of days. So I'm really excited for it. 
Um, in terms of the fight card itself, uh, we do have one big change. Uh, Jack Della Maddalena gets a new opponent, um, which I am very happy about for him because he's one of those contenders that you feel has a lot of, you know, a lot of upside and deserves that spotlight. He's taken on 7-0 undefeated Josiah Harrell, uh, who replaces Sean Brady. Uh, Josiah is a teammate of Matt Brown. Um, look, Josiah on one week's notice, I mean, gangster, get after it. The UFC, you know, said no to the Kevin Holland plans, no to Joaquin Buckley. And I do appreciate that, like, all right, they just, uh, you kind of get it. They're looking for a showcase for Jack Della if you're going to put him on this big card and you're still trying to build him up. So respect Josiah. I think he could step up and really shock some people. But I think that knowing what we saw earlier this year from Madalena, you kind of get they're kind of giving him that layup to showcase himself. What about you? For sure, dude. Yeah, he's uh, he's fun to watch. And I was surprised I hadn't seen him fight before the last one. And I was very impressed. So, yeah, I'll take the layup if it means we get a show. So, yeah. Yeah. And once again, for Josiah, he knows this is a big fight, gets his UFC debut. Um, I think he was in. He's had like one LFA fight. He's mostly had his fights around Ohio, which is how he knows Matt Brown. So, yeah, you got to think a big opportunity for him, even if he doesn't get the dub. And he's probably going out there feeling like he's got nothing to lose. So just get after it. So that could always make for an exciting fight. So it's good. Um, as always, let's start from the bottom up. We could get into. Oh, by the way, before we, I forget. Robbie Lawler's last fight. I'm almost sad to say it now. Wow, is that really? Yep, Nico Price. That's what uh, Dana White's been saying. And, you know, Robbie won some, lost some in recent years. But what are your thoughts on this one? It's a it's a good matchup for that, you know? I think they're both going to be, well, you know, Robbie Lawler's game. And I think Nico Price is going to be game two. Isn't he the one who did the uh, backwards hammer fist? Or Yes. Yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, am I sad that it's Robbie Lawler's last fight? No. Um, I think, you know, he did great things, like a lot of great things. He was a champ. This is a good place to go out, meaning UFC 290 International Fight Week in Vegas. It's a good opponent. Hall of Fame. Like, this is great, man. Like, you know, the only thing that would top it off, the cherry, was would be to get the victory, of course. But if not, it's still a great platform positioning for him. And I'm not sad. I think, you know, he's been around long enough. He's done great things. Everyone has to retire eventually. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those, like, say it ain't so. But you also feel like it might be time. Um, He's always going to get into a banger. And at a certain point, you want... I, I wouldn't want him to stay out there just because he's Robbie Lawler and do it for me. Um, particularly like everybody else, the fighters only get younger as you get older, it feels like. And <laughs> you get it. And, yeah. and it's just, um, you know, it it doesn't take away from that stretch. I think it was like, what was it? Like 16, 15 to 2017. I mean, he literally had consecutive five round fight of the year epic bangers yes the rory mcdonald one was up there but i'm like have you seen him go five rounds to matt brown 
the five rounders with Johnny Hendricks twice, yeah, right. the five yeah. rounds with Carlos Condit. Mm-hmm. Those were some pretty freaking awesome fights. You know, watch them and, and just watch them individually. And then imagine the fact that this dude literally had those back to back to back to back to back. Yeah, then go to a calendar, right? And, and check the dates. <laughs> like, And imagine to... like that time as a fan Robbie Lawler, oh my god, he's going to get into another banger. And he literally got into another freaking five-round banger. I mean, nothing could take away from that. So, if this is the end of the run, he's always been like this chill dude. I hope he goes on and just has a really good retirement where he gets to enjoy it and, you know, sign autographs, kiss babies, all that good stuff because... (laughs) I mean, few people have bled for this quite like Robbie did, and that's the best respect you could give him, compliment I think you mm-hmm. could give him. For sure. Yeah. Um, so let's start third from the top. At middleweight, Robert Whitaker, Dracus Duplessis. Um, big fight objectively, but then Dana White has all but said that, you know, this is for a title shot in September on the line. You know what you get from Robert Whitaker, former champion, uh, beat Marvin Vittori in his last fight, um, has been on the sideline for a minute. There was some talk, maybe coasting Australia. Things fell apart. Then they held him because they didn't know if Pereira would beat Adesanya. All of this comes together to say Robert Whitaker is still number two at middleweight. Dracus Duplessis, great win streak in the UFC. Stopped Derek Brunson, stopped uh, Darren Till, been on a great run leading up to this. And not for nothing, him and Adesanya have this very easy heat to sell. All of this, you know, more African, you, you know, like I still live in Africa, you don't. And drag the carcass across the, you know, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, Very easy fight to sell if he gets the victory would look absolute would be the absolute best logical step up. You beat Whitaker, now you're ready for Adesanya, right? Easy one to sell. High level fight, both of them very big, powerful middleweights. I would argue that Drakus, the movement is not on the level of uh, Whitaker. Still very strong. Still, if he gets into a scrap, you gotta think he could do a lot of damage if he stays in that pocket with a guy like Whitaker. Um, and I think that that's more or less his route to getting this monumental victory. I think you got to really pick your spots. You got to be smart. More than anything, you cannot find yourself waiting for Whitaker and you can't find yourself chasing him. You've got to just really commit to your shots and you got to commit to him frequently because with Robert Whitaker, one of the most impressive things is his ability, the footwork and the hands and the speed. For a guy his size, He's really good at getting out of the way, picking his spots, and really stringing them together with high volume. And against a guy who is respectfully a little more plodding in a Drakus, that could be very dangerous. So Drakus really does have to get his spots there. Um, When you talk about a bit of the grappling and all that, neither of them are really known for take you to the mat and let's roll for a while. But both of them have very competent ground games. We've seen Drakus on the ground. We've seen Whitaker do his thing and take down defense and grapple when he wants to. So all of it comes together for a very potentially dynamic middleweight fight. What about you? Yeah, I mean, 
excellent breakdown as always. There's there's no way that um, Robert Whitaker doesn't. How do I say this? There's no way Drake is Duplessis beats Robert Whitaker. Just no way. Like Robert Whitaker is just too good, too well rounded, and it doesn't matter how good Drake is. Robert Whitaker is just better everywhere. I think of him now that um, you know we're going to be talking about Volkanovski in a little bit. He's sort of like the bigger version of Volkanovski, or you could say Volkanovski is a smaller version of Robert, Robert Whitaker. They have a similar fighting style, the footwork, um, the intelligence, the the takedown defense, all that stuff. The the intelligence really is is the main one, and the footwork. So I don't have more to add, man. Except like it's, to me, it's just. We're never going to see Adesanya dragging Drakus through the streets of South Africa if he has to get through Robert Whitaker to, to, to acquire that fight with Adesanya. It's never going to happen. That was the most savage thing you've ever <laughs> said. We are never going to see Adesanya drag Drakus through his carcass. Yeah, wow. So just like just say what you, you just said it so like non-emotionally. <laughs> um so matter of factly like (laughs) damn um so here's my one thing about it storyline wise for the hype i would love nothing more than for drake is to probably get it because that would make the fight without asanya so big he takes a, a significant amount of damage sometimes um you know, I think about the Darren Till fight. I think about the early going of the Derek Brunson fight. And it's like, okay. And respectfully, because both Darren and Derek are, you know, two experienced veterans. Robert Whitaker, if he starts doing that to you, he is not going... He is not known for suddenly laying an egg. He's <laughs> one of the most disciplined guys. Doesn't take too much damage in fights. Even out of Sonya. Uh... First fight aside, the second fight, this was competitive. This was, you know, you see the way he moves and all of that. This is a very dynamic guy that's going to be difficult for a guy like uh, Drakus to deal with if he does not have a level up, so to speak, since his last fight. Because I think that, and anything could happen, he is completely capable of it. But when I think of the guy who has found himself out of position and then eats that kind of damage that Drakus did in his last two, I, I don't see him rallying back against a Whitaker like he did against Derek and Darren. It, right. Whitaker's just on a different level, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, for sure. and that's really, to me, what it comes down to. Um, like I said, anytime you got a big, powerful guy with the experience of Drakus, he could bail himself out of there if they start throwing in the pocket. But if you're going tit for tat at mid range and you are don't have a very special night, I don't know that the Drakus I've seen in the last few fights can get past this Robert Whitaker that's still at this level. So I'm with you there. I am favoring Robert Whitaker. Uh, I think unanimous decision. I think Drakus is training really hard. He knows what's on the line. He may not leave himself open for that big to get stopped, but I, I do think that he'll just find himself trying to catch up to Whitaker as the fight goes on. So that's where I'm at with that one. Yeah, I agreed. Uh, yeah, I missed decision for Robert Whitaker. Yeah. Um, in the co-main event, uh, the trilogy between Brandon Moreno and Alexandre Pantoja, 
that's still the that is my favorite name to say in this whole sport <laughs> i every time i think it's like bruh you must like like i feel like women swoon just getting to say your name yeah. alexandre pantoja <laughs> honestly like it's just got like that freaking soap opera name alexandre anyway look <laughs> Let's talk about Pantoja. Like, no, really, come on, say it. Say it the way it's supposed to be said. It sounds cool. Um, look, with Pantoja, uh, this guy, he stopped Brandon Royvel and just threw the gauntlet down. This guy's been ready for a minute to take on Brandon. Um, I think uh, he had, like, one loss and, in, like, injuries or something. But essentially, how Moreno kind of got past him to get to the title... As opposed to him getting there first. Uh, it's just one of those things. He's always been good. We know what Brandon Moreno has been through. It's been well chronicled. Uh, he's He was the feel-good story. You know, bring every... You know, first Mexican champion. Has had now four battles with Davison Figueredo. Stopped Kaikara France. Rallied to get it back. But now Pantoja. This is a dude who really has been waiting for a long time. And you got to think he feels like he's just got it. Sorry, it was uh, Alex Perez. But he did stop Brandon Royville before that. Beat Manel Cape before that. And yeah, there it was. Davison beat him and Askar Askarov got past him. So that's how Brandon Moreno got ahead of him. He beat Brandon back in 2018. I think it was 2014 when he got... um, No, sorry, 2016 where he fought uh, Brandon on Ultimate Fighter. Uh When I look at who's on a roll right now, Pantoja stands out as like, well, this is a guy who's won it twice. This is a guy who's been finishing people a lot more assertively recently. Then it's Brandon. And if there's one thing about him is we've seen, we've gotten to see just how good he can be going the distance with Davison. We've seen just how good his striking can look. We've seen how good his full game can look. And I think that's critical because if you don't get finished, uh, what is your ceiling on how dig, how, how deep can you dig to get it done on the feet and on the mat? And I think in that way, we probably have a more complete arsenal for Brandon for 25 minutes. And that makes for a very exciting fight. They got history. Not so much personal. But you know there's just this. I You want what I have. And we can't be friends over it. That sets up a great fight. What are your thoughts? It does set up a great fight. Anytime Brandon Moreno's in a fight these days. Last couple of years it's a great fight. Regardless of the history. And there's a lot here. To, uh, to add to that. You know what. What's going in your through your mind when you're going to face off for a third time against someone that's beat you twice already? When I think about Jan Jacek and Shevchenko, right? Jan Jacek could never get it done. Uh, who else? Max and Volk. There you go. Thank you. Max and Volk couldn't get it done. And those all went to decision, you know? So it's not like they were just completely outclassed. It was It was a tough back and forth, but still. And I, I don't recall the the way these two fights finished though. You'll have to uh, remind me. I think he decisioned Brandon in UFC, and I think he got. I think Brandon got choked out on tough. Okay. Now on tough, you know, okay, that's kind of like it's a real fight, but it's in this like strange environment. You're in the bubble. 
all yeah, that Yeah, it's a weird, dude, like, it's not your traditional full fight camp and all that. You're making weight multiple times in a row, all of that stuff. Yeah, so I wouldn't hold that against Brandon too much. I, I bet that one doesn't weigh on him as much as the other one. But then, if I'm Moreno, I'm thinking, yeah, you beat me. But look what I've done since then. And I've been fighting the best of the best, going to wars with them, having to overcome, like, against Kaikar France. You know, for as good as Alessandre Pantoja is, um, I think Brandon Moreno is just as good and then mentally and experience-wise better. And so for that reason, I think Moreno gets the job done. It will go to decision. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a war. There's going to be moments where you're like, oh, my God. But I just think Moreno's tougher. He's still at the top, you know, like psychologically he's still riding high on these wins on being the Mexican champion with you know Grasso and Rodriguez there with him like and Rodriguez fighting on the same card with him there's just too much positive energy in the air boosting Moreno towards another victory so I think he's going to get it done but it's going to be a war so I'm going to tip my hand a little bit we have three Mexican champions. Yeah. All in action relatively soon. Of the three, I will tell you right now, Brandon Moreno is the one with the best chance to actually retain the title after all this is said and done. Correct. For all the reasons you just said, I think that the improvements are probably a lot more visible for him than they are for Pantoja since they've fought. I do acknowledge both of them are on a roll. Both of them are certainly not the same guys they were on tough and certainly in 2018 when they fought. Um, I think that all of that is right there for a guy like Brandon. Dig deep, make it a battle, pick your spots, stay out of the ones you don't want to be in. I think he's proven capabilities of executing that. I feel like I got to acknowledge the weapons and the danger on the other side. And I think that with all of that, with respect to Brandon, you've got a guy who can, who's proven he could create these openings, who's proven he could get these really good guys. I mean, look at where Royville is at right now. Look how we talk about Manel Cape. Uh, Alex Perez obviously has fought for the title and been right there. Um, this is not an easy guy to deal with. And I think that Pantoja been waiting. He's fresher. Got less miles. I, I love me some Brandon Moreno too. But I just think Pantoja going to be the one to get it done. Okay. And yeah. I think he's going to get that finish around the third round. It's going to be a nice good scrap. But I think that Pantoja... If, it, if there's a finish, it will go to Pantoja decision we see moreno but i'm leaning toward a finish for pantoja like a submission or i think a submission after getting after catching him on the feet a bit okay like he's just gonna hit that opening things you know off balance feet out of place couple things bounce off the head and then suddenly open it you know things go to the ground and things get caught okay yeah so okay that's fine i hear you if you think Brandon Moreno has the best chance of retaining his belt and you're picking Pantoja, 
Does that mean you think uh, we'll we'll get there? But uh, I think I know what that th- what that think what that means. You think <laughs> it means it's Volkanovski, man. Have yeah, you yeah. seen I'm how not, good he is? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised <laughs> on that one. But I guess I'm thinking Grasso too, Shevchenko. Like I mean, that's coming, you know, ish. But <laughs> tell me how many minutes Grasso was winning at that fight? Oh, pretty much the whole thing, man. Grasso? I thought she was winning a lot. She was yes, I do think she was winning. Man, uh, Valentina was uh, doing her thing until she Val- wasn't. Oh, so, so here's the thing. Grasso was landing straight one-twos on Shevchenko in a way that no one else has. Um, Shevchenko was relying a lot more on her clinch against the cage because she didn't like getting hit in the face. No one was hitting her. No one has hit her like that. Uh, so I wouldn't say she was winning the whole thing, but I'm still, I'm still picking Shevchenko to win. She's going to be pissed off, and she's... Uh, gonna whatever retool, regroup, rejigger, whatever she needs to do, but that doesn't mean I don't think Grasso was doing pretty well up until she capitalized on that. She was not doing bad, but I would not tell you that I was going her way. Go back and rewatch it, but I think it was fifty-fifty uh, at least. Okay, I mean that's why we had. There's two of us. There's two of us. But let me talk about the other Mexican I think is going to okay. lose. No, just kidding. Um, okay, look. So let's, uh, in full honesty, I think that Moreno has had his moment. I think there's something for Yair. Respectfully, you kind of thought he was going to be Brandon. And what I mean by that, he was going to be the first Mexican to get it done. He obviously was getting that love several years ago and he's main eventing against BJ Penn mm-hmm. and they're giving him Frankie Edgar when he wasn't ready for Frankie Edgar, things like that, right? And then, you know, he has the injuries, the layoffs, the Zabit fights that never happen, <laughs> all this other stuff. And then, you know, starts kind of finding that magic and, you know... From the jaws of defeat with the elbow on the zombie. Mm-hmm. Then he gets past uh, Jeremy Stevens. Then goes to war with Max Holloway. Then the fight with Brian Ortega. And then just most recently what he does to Josh Emmett. And uh, when you look at how tough Josh Emmett is. And what he went through against Elia. And Yair Rodriguez got him out of there. He got the finish. All of that is like, okay, you know, has he kind of, has he finally come out of the oven fully baked now? And he's ready to go. He's that finished product that we always thought he could become. It really does feel like that for Yair. I think that um, outside of Brandon, who's obviously gotten so much love and had his moment, I do think it would be a pretty seminal moment for Yair to get this win over Volk more than Islam getting it. Because obviously Islam also had a belt, but I think it's different. Islam is kind of, he's been on this role that's almost like he was always meant to be here, right? Mm-hmm. Yair, it kind of felt like, will he or won't he? And so all of that makes for this really great story for Yair Rodriguez. And then in the cage, his offensive arsenal is just beautiful, right? I mean, he's got the moves, he's so slick. He puts it together a little cleaner now. It's more efficient. He'll box with you. He could grapple. He could defend. He can go for submissions himself. And when he gets back to the feet, his ability to control distance, it's great. You're talking about Alexander Volkanovsky. You're talking about the number one fighter in the world. Even John Jones has kind of said, like, 
I would say skill-wise, maybe Volk puts it together better right now. That doesn't mean I'm not the GOAT, but, you know, this whole who's the best of all time versus the best right now. Even, like, the top guys are like, well, it's probably Volkanovski. He's just at that level where all firing on all cylinders against all types of opponents. And not only look, not only winning, but getting... He is blowing out Max Holloway, for crying uh-huh. out loud. It's Max Holloway. He's like the best featherweight ever and still on a roll. Yeah, and I know. And Volkanovski is freaking making it look like he's in second gear. Yeah. The yeah. last one, he completely like silenced anyone who... All doubters, anyone who... I mean, it's just clearly superior to Max Holloway. Yeah, and then with Mahachev, with respect, I mean, that was a com- very close competitive fight that really came down to a few shots from a bigger athlete landing. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was not a fight where he was blown out, out of it, was defending takedowns, getting back to his feet, sticking with him, keeping up a good pace against a bigger man, and getting his shots in. That was great MMA. Um, this is a very special athlete you're dealing with, who's been in the zone and has had, uh, you know, respectfully, Yair may be fast and strong, but tit for tat will not just be able to walk through Volk the way Islam was kind of standing his ground and, you know, big dog, little dog. You may win the fight, but the big dog is going to be able to push you the way that a dog your size won't. And that's just what we have. I think that Yair... If he starts really sitting down, it's because it was the speed and the accuracy more than the physicality when you when he fights Volk. And I think that that's what's going to make for a very interesting fight. But once again, I, I'll give Volk the same thing that it's going to be almost like a cop-out. It's like when Anderson Silva was on a roll, George St. Pierre, John Jones a bit, um, Demetrius Johnson... When you're on this kind of run and you've been active, I give you the credit that you may just be able to figure this out, even if I don't know what it is on paper when I look at it, because you're you. Mm-hmm. You are him. You are, what is it? Himmy, Himothy, something like that. I don't know, whatever the kids are saying, but I've been seeing it everywhere. Anyway, oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I forget. I, I, y'all know what it is, but like all that, you know, hey, I'm him. Volkanovsky is him. Anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. Go go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, my takeaway here is that you think all the Mexicans are going to lose their belts. Uh, okay, Saturday. let it go. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm with you on on Volkanovski Rodriguez. I disagree with Moreno. We already went over that. But I definitely think Volkanovski is, yeah, you put it so well at the end. He's just that guy that you know is going to get it done no matter what. Even if you can't exactly, you know, in your head visualize how it's going to happen. And for as great as Rodriguez is and for as awesome as he looked against Josh Emmett, he dismantled him so easily with body kicks. I mean, you can't even compare Volkanovski and Emmett, and so and so when you put Rodriguez with Volkanovski, it's going to be still be levels to this game uh, apart. So whatever Volkanovski is going to do with his footwork, with his distance, with his intelligence, it will be enough, more than enough, to get the job done. I don't think Volkanovski is going to finish Rodriguez. We know Rodriguez has a good chin, can take a lot of damage, and he's so tough, he's going to keep coming. So I think Volkanovski will win by decision, um, and uh, 
and that'll be all she wrote. I don't think it's going to be one of those uh, rematch-worthy fights. Not to say it won't be exciting, but I just don't think we're going to need to see it. Because if Volkanovski, if, when, he beats Rodriguez, I want to see him go back up and challenge Islam, uh, you know, with how BMF is, you know, right around the corner. That's probably not going to be an immediate rematch for, uh, re- an immediate opportunity for Volkanovski this year. But that's what I really want to see after he beats Rodriguez. So he's done enough at 145, right? I mean, move on. I mean, Ilya's right there. Yeah, but uh, it's like Nunes. Like, do you really need to see her fight? Um, uh, gosh, who was the one that was left behind? Uh, Ketlin? Yes, Ketlin. You really need okay, to see Okay, can I it, respectfully, uh, I get what you're saying. I would argue that Ilya is Volkanovsky's Aldana as opposed to Volkanovsky's Ketlin. Okay, okay. Because I think that he's on a roll, the young guy. This is kind of like old guard, new guard. Because I think that if Volkanovski leaves, Ilya could, at least right now, Ilya looks like he could be that guy, you know, him and Max running featherweight, right? Yeah. Um, I think that for Volk, obviously, look, if he wins, he's getting Ilya next. They sort out Charles and the BMF for Islam and... We could probably revisit 55 next year, late next year for Volk. Uh, he'll have proven a lot in that span if he gets past Yair and Ilya. Um, for Yair, I mean, you got to have this really... I will say this, stylistically, he has the weapons to give Volk a lot of problems. Um, the range and the distance, he fights different than Max, he fights different than Ortega, he fights different than Yair... He's just altogether a different kettle of fish that Volkanovsky will need to have another good night to get to get past the best Yair. I think where it comes down to, though, uh, the full arsenal from Volk. I think at the end of the day, look, you know, you got a guy who, because he's so short, he's so good at that little stutter step getting mm-hmm. inside, uh, his ability to blend in, striking the takedowns, his output... His own physical toughness, I mean, this dude has gotten into some bangers and just come out the other side looking like a beast in a tank. All of that comes together really well for a guy like Volkanovsky. And so I do believe that assuming they both use their full arsenal, I am more inclined to believe that Volkanovsky's ability to execute a game plan where he gets in to Yair's space... And he doesn't let him breathe and he's using that body lock and he's getting him on the ground and he's just making him carry that weight and working. That is more likely to happen than Yair getting all the time he needs at mid-range and picking apart Volkanovski. I just think that, you know, when I look at the two guys at their best, it's more likely we get the first scenario with Volk than the one with Yair. Exactly. And that's just what it comes down to. Um, and yeah, you know what, once again, yeah, I think, like you said it, unanimous decision, I think, for Volk, I think it's going to be a special fight if we get a good one from Yair, but you just believe in certain guys, and I just have that belief in Volkanovski, I'm not going to act like I'm going to predict when's the night somebody really gets past him at featherweight, and there we go. There we go. Yep. Um, I mean, the train keeps on rolling next week. Uh, Holly Holm, Myra Buena Silva. Um, it's always tough to say like, well, man, what about after this? Cause it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, we're barely 
we haven't even gone p- to the party yet and we're already talking about next week right so <laughs> yeah but look um holly home uh, at this in in a no aldana lance sorry in a no nunez landscape i really do want to see if she could put it together for that last run and for myra buena silva you know what beating holly home could do for your career you gotta think she's hungry that makes for a good fight let's get it done I agree. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Holly Holm fight. And yeah, when when uh, I think I said it, when Nunez retired, I was like, this is the best news. This is the best scenario for Holly Holm. Not going to be a, a straightforward path to, to the title again, but it's much easier, much more clear, for sure. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, we will find out. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this week's show. I will be on location in Vegas all week. I will be at the press conference. I will be at the Hall of Fame. I will be at Radio Row at UFC X. And I will be there on fight night at UFC 290. So follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double. I'll be posting behind the scenes all week. I'll be posting from all the media day and everything all week. So you guys are not going to want to miss it. Until then, like, comment, subscribe. We'll be back.